Podcast. Stark Contrast. I'm Josh Rosenfield. I'm here with Soren Howe. This is the 11th official episode of Stark Contrast. I th- we did, of course, uh, podcast through Season 4 of Game of Thrones, but under no name. <laughs> right. Um, but we're back. It's Stark Contrast. It's Season 6, Episode 1. The Red Woman. Uh, and just to, a... for those of you for those of you who are unfamiliar, just... Uh, the gimmick of this podcast, i.e. the reason you should be listening, is that <laughs> I'm on it. No, the reason you should be listening, <laughs> uh, the reason you should be listening is that uh, Josh has read the books uh, and I haven't. And it's actually kind of funny uh, at this point that we chose the name so late in the series because we're moving well past where Josh would have any sort of edge on me whatsoever. Yeah, um, it no longer matters. Let me tell you, we'll get into why specifically, but it, <laughs> it has no bearing on it whatsoever anymore. <laughs> Right, well, there's that, and then there's also... I mean, I guess the other stark contrast is that um, uh, we have extremely different... Not uh, Game of Thrones, I think we're probably more aligned than, than other things, but we often greatly <laughs> disagree on a lot of things. So, um, But yeah. within within Game of Thrones, that's also true. So I think we'll uh, it'll be a good season. I'm very excited to see where, where it takes us. Well, yeah, well, if it's, you know... If it's a step up from last season, I'll be pretty happy. <laughs> right, you were um, not happy with last season. Yeah, no, not at all, but... Um, <laughs> So uh, we start the episode, oh, what is the exact first scene? Uh, the first scene opens in uh, in Castle Black, I believe. Oh, of course, yeah. So of course we, we open um, right off where we left off, Jon Snow's body is <laughs> still lying in the snow. Uh, this episode seems more than anything else to really want to drive home the point that Jon Snow is still dead. You know, he's, right. He's, his lifeless body is all over this episode. Um, although... Strange that, in that case, uh, his body is such a heavy factor if he's not coming back, right? In yeah. The other deaths on the show. Yeah, they didn't burn him. They didn't. They're specifically like locked in a room with him. Right. Right. Exactly. And they said, "Oh, we're gonna go and get the red woman. What's gonna happen?" Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see where that goes. I'm a little, because uh, I like. I think we talked about this at the end of last season. Like, cool. or at least we and we talked about it privately in the interim. Like, we're pretty sure he's not dead dead like right, he's right. gonna come back in some form um there's just you know they, they put too much they put too much work into the character to end it there and it's not like you know they put a lot of work into ned stark but that was when he died that was the end of his arc mm-hmm. um john we feel like has room to go basically uh this is not the end of his story um well and also but, just logically it just can't be the end of his story i mean, <laughs> I, mean and yeah. I, I don't care i'll just say this too i'm not like one of those people who people who who love Jon Snow so much and I need to see him come back I I really (laughs) he's to me he finally became somewhat interesting in the hard home episode he gave like a a speech I actually cared about but for the most part I don't find him that compelling a character so this isn't this isn't like a a fan hoping oh please like let my favorite character not be dead I don't care if Jon Snow is dead but I just don't (laughs) think he is I just don't think there's there's any good reason to leave him dead really is really the, the bigger point considering he's surrounded by all this potential to bring him back to life, either as an undead or by the, um, the, that's one option we hadn't really considered though. Um, him coming back, yeah. uh, on the side of the walkers. Yeah. Well, cause I think not we just as a white, kind of... but like officially becoming a walker. Yeah. Cause I think you know? we both kind of assumed that like he would get resurrected like that, you know, right, right. away. Um, so that wouldn't even be a factor, but no, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's interesting that they leave him just, on the table for a long time and it you know it, 
maybe not a long time like in it's like you know the the evening right. in terms of the real time passage but it feels and you know just in terms of uh the way that the show is paced it feels like a long time that he's sitting there and we've seen people resurrect as uh as whites uh like really quickly mm-hmm. so it's strange first of all it's strange that they didn't burn his body <laughs> You right, know, knowing what yeah. they know, you'd think they would have done that right away. And I guess there's the emotional attachment that they have to him. Um, and but that, you know, just to put a button on this, uh, the fact that they didn't burn his body right away should be all the evidence you need that he's coming back. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. if he wasn't coming back, then that's what they would have had the characters do. And um, also, I, mean, I find it interesting that um, uh, Ghost, his uh, his wolf, mm-hmm. is like upset, but not that upset. <laughs> I don't know, like. He's lived with usually when like a dog or something has lived with someone for that long and then that person dies, they mm-hmm. like show some remorse. I mean, no, he's barking, but it's more like he was pissed off, not really. Well, one of the wilder one of the wilder theories is about that is that um, <laughs> at least one of the book theories, I guess it applies to the show too, was that in his last moment, right, John he wargs, he right. wargs into ghost. Right. So I guess that if you know if you're looking for an explanation of ghost's odd behavior, I guess that would be it. I don't believe that theory yet in one bit. <laughs> but, no, no, but it, you could get the impression that maybe he's Ghost has some idea that John's not dead mm-hmm. for good, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Animals tend to have weird, weird sort of sixth sense. Yeah, like and of that. course, Starks in particular have weird connections with their animals. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, so or snows. Hmm. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that's our big theory, right? That he's coming back as John Stark, and then therefore. All the creators and everyone, the actors and everyone who said that Jon Snow was dead is te- technically right. Yeah, um, exactly. I think that's exactly. We talked about this. I think that's exactly how they're right. going to do it. it. Whether it's Stark or it's some other, or it's Azora High. Right. You right. know, I, that's that's something I just thought of, um, considering what Melisandre uh, is up to. I really think that when he's resurrected, it's going to be under a different name uh, or a different um, identity. It's still going to be, for all intents and purposes, Jon Snow. Or have something but, stupid like. You know, a white streak in his hair, and they'd be like, "No, see, it's different. It's a different guy." He's John. Now he's John the White. John the White, um, right? right. <laughs> exactly, but it's exactly it's going to be exactly something like that, where they'll be able to say, "Oh no, he's not John. John Snow died, and you know, when he after getting stabbed, this is yeah, like this is I am Gandalf the White." Right, right, um, right. It's going to be exactly. exactly like that. Um, so one thing I wanted to say before we get into the rest of the episode, so you were talking about season five and how you didn't like it, and um, the most problematic episodes were. Uh, I believe um, Unbowed, mm. Unbent, Unbroken, and Kill the Boy, uh, at least from what, uh, from our Well, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken more than Kill the Boy, because I did like parts of Kill the Boy, at least. Although, um, oh, you know what, actually? You know what's funny? I'm looking at it now. Kill the Boy is the one where um, they get attacked by the Stone Men, right? Uh, I have no recollection whatsoever. It is. I'm looking at it now. It is. Um, yeah, I remember that sequence being like that really. That was cool. I I I remember. I don't remember what I said about it at the time, but especially when in the like uh, recap at the beginning of this episode, I remember thinking it was really kind of weirdly sloppy. Really. Um. What what, what we're getting at is that those episodes were directed by Jeremy P- right, Pedeswa. Right, right. Um. Unbound, unbent, and broken. Yeah, specifically was really terrible. Um. <laughs> and it and it got him an Emmy nomination, by the way. Did it really? Uh, it really, uh, yeah. Oh it really, <laughs> that episode got him an Emmy nomination, wow. unbelievably. Um, but yeah, and he, you know, had some uh, d- unfortunate things to say about that episode in terms of how he viewed it, which kind of indicated to us that he a certain incompetence in terms of depicting what he wanted to depict. Right, right, right. 
in the final scene of that episode. In yeah, particular. we 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 talked about that to death. I just find it interesting they decided to open this season with him, but they're yeah, closing back to back. Yeah, but they're closing with the guy who directed Hard Home, which was the best episode. So I think the finale yeah. could be awesome. De- definitely, and I will say this: the two um, the two episodes, so episode nine, the big episode, and the final, are going to be directed by the guy who like nailed it. I forget what his name is. Yeah, the, um, I'm gonna. It's it's uh Miguel Sapochnik. Yeah. So yeah, he Hard Home was great. Um, yeah, I'm excited for his episodes. Uh, but yeah, Jeremy Podeswa, I'll say this: he, I think he did an okay job. It's not. Um, it still looks like Game of Thrones, but this is the first time in a while that I've really felt like, in certain places, uh, it doesn't look like a TV show. The like Game of Thrones has this awful habit occasionally of looking like. For all it, for all the millions of dollars that are poured into it, like looking really cheap mm-hmm. and looking like everything's on sets and looking like everyone's in costume. It's the smallness of it, and and what's funny yeah. about it is that you don't. I mean, big budget movies use sets all the time, but there's ways to shoot it so it doesn't look small. But there was a scene that we can get to a little bit later, but that I actually thought, oh wow, I feel like I'm there, which was kind of cool. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, I feel like Pedes was he does a good job in this episode generally, and there are moments of of strangeness which we'll get to later mm-hmm. um but f- like i'm thinking of um the scenes in bravos with the scene in bravos with aria for the first time i was like this feel like this feels like a real place and it, maybe it, it is a real place but even game of thrones has a habit of making real places look fake mm-hmm. um like they do in dorne which we'll get to but <laughs> like this looks like a, a real place it doesn't feel like overlit or, or too a lot of the times it the show feels either too bright or too dark. Right. I find uh, it just it, it it's weird because I think it's a cloudy scene. I think Game of Thrones maybe looks best when it's cloudy out. Interesting. Because uh, the lighting is a little more even. You get to see it's it, you get to, you see kind of the textures of the area and of the people better. Um, I felt that same way, but about Marine actually this this episode. Um. Well, we'll get to Marine. I think it I think it still looks good, but that scene was bizarre in a number of ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so, moving away from the wall, though, and we'll get back to it at the end of the episode. Uh, next, we go to Winterfell, where Ramsay is mourning Miranda. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, the, w- <laughs> it was strange that they're choosing now to make Ramsay sympathetic. Um, oh, I don't know re- that they're making him sympathetic. I just find it interesting that he suddenly. Well, no, because I think this is a moment. Yeah, exactly. This. this is the first moment of like genuine feeling and empathy from him. From no, a no, totally. And it's like, funny, comically sadistic. Does this happen in the book? Um, no. Well, let me just say this right off the bat. Uh, except for Arya, this is all, all entirely uncharted territory. Oh. Entirely, except for Arya, who has a little bit to go. So um, the reason yeah. I asked that is that I feel like they were waiting for the book parts to end so they can make Ramsay sympathetic, possibly. Well, I think what's what's funny about that is I think that um, I have this inkling that that they're gonna off Ramsey this season because he seems like kind of a secondary bad guy. That um, well, the creators—I don't know if you saw—the creators said that they said after this season they think they're gonna be like, you know, another thirteen hours, and whether or not that's a one giant size season or two shorter seasons, they're not sure. Mm-hmm. But. We're in kind of the, the, the twilight, stage. the right. twilight days of Game of Thrones, and I think Ramsay is the kind of Ramsay isn't an end game villain to me. He's a definitely like a you know. I don't more know. Of a Who's more of a villain than him? Well, Seriously. the White Walkers. Okay. I think that they. I think they're the ultimate end game of the show. And I mean, Ramsay I think they is, should be. I just worry that you know they won't be. Yeah, 
I get well it, <laughs> exactly. They should be, and I think in a in an ideal situation, uh, this is the season where Ramsey, uh, we lose Ramsey, maybe Roos too, and then we move into the end game where we get to focus on like the real real threat. Mm-hmm. So, which is why it's interesting to me that they're opening this season. Um, that I went into assuming that this is Ramsey's final season. His first scene in this season is this moment of his first moment of humanity uh, for someone, you know, and and not like a, uh, not in the way that Ramsey is so often characterized in this really exaggerated, like I said, almost comically sadistic way. Um, this is a real, you know, it's not exaggerated. This. Uh, it's not like a, it's not ironic uh, humanity, I guess I should say. It's not sort of oh, of course, you know, this of course this is the way he would feel things. He's genuinely saying, you know, everyone was afraid of me. She was the only one who wasn't afraid of me, and that's why how we made this connection. And obviously, we know <laughs> why everyone was afraid of him. Right. But it feels real, and of course, it's then immediately undercut by her by him saying, <laughs> you know, feed her body to the dogs. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> um, Game of Thrones, I don't think can really, I don't think it'll go that far with Ramsay. Uh, it, it does kind of have to undercut it in the end, but yeah, yeah I, it's, it's I, intriguing to see this. I I mean, I just feel like the they want to kill him, but not have it be just a moment of triumph. You want to? They basically don't ever want the the audience to feel good, so they're kind of like, oh, if we make him yeah. sort of sympathetic, when he dies, he won't be cheering, you know. Um, well, that's the great. That was the great moment of Joffrey's death. What I it was probably the only moment in the whole series anyone could cheer really at all. Well, yeah. Well, and what was great about it, I remember, is that like. It's so horrifying, and it goes on for so long that you kind of like you. You do actually, you, yeah. You're right. You, you falter. Feel bad for him. You're yeah. like, oh, this is like really gruesome, and right. you, and you see him, and you remember that he's just as awful as he is. He's just a kid. You're right. Remember we talked about that. That was really... and it's just such a horrifying way to die. So yeah, in, in that moment, they they never humanized Joffrey while he was alive. Never. But yeah. in his moment of death, you you're given this moment of like, oh god, <laughs> I don't really feel that good about this anymore. Right. Right. And it they're goes kind on of forever. Yeah, exactly. They're setting that up, I think, with Ramsey in this. Um, I don't think Ramsey will get many more of those moments, <laughs> but it's significant that this is his first scene of the season. Well, I don't know. Then they also, you know, pull out the uh, his his brother again, his possible brother. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I they like are building him in a weird way, and I, I don't know. Ramsey is ready. He's there's so many parts of the show that I don't care about, and Ramsey's all <laughs> one of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was done with him, you know, midway through season three when he was introduced. I was like, all right, I've, you know, enough. And, then, you know, three seasons later, we're still dealing with his <laughs> his nonsense. One thing I wanted to say about earlier, just at Castle Black really quick, Ed left. And by the way, you know, there's some screen time for Ed. Uh, so I, I, They call him Dolorous Ed for the, is this the first time they've called him that? Uh, yeah. Because that, that's, that's the only thing he's called in the book. It was a very weird moment where he just says that because I was like uh yeah that that what's weird about that is it's a reference to the way he's characterized in the book that he's not in the show (laughs) like we've talked we've talked about this before about Ed um in the book he's kind of like the Eeyore of the Night's Watch where he's like oh you know of course this would happen to me right and that's the joke of the character um and he's not he's just like a dude in the show (laughs) he doesn't have that at all he's just some guy yeah so they I know they picked up they call him Dolorous Ed which is his nickname in the book because it applies to him in the book, but, <laughs> but it it's bizarre really... that they would call him that in the show. I don't, where is he going? Is he going to get the wildlings? Is that where? Yeah, I, I, I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, that was that was my best guess. I was very confused as to what. Well, but... yeah, because they, they leave it off. What's weird about this episode's structure is that it feels very much like the first part of a two-parter in some ways. Yeah. Um, not that Game of Thrones episodes like generally resolve all their plot lines at the end of the episode, but usually there's at least a sense of 
you know, even if they're leading into something else, a sense of conclusion. Right. A lot of these just kind of leave off. Um, some of them end, you know, some of them have a definitive ending, like I think, you know, this what we'll talk about next with Sansa and uh, Brienne. That's kind of the definitive ending of that story of right. the episode. Um, you know, Daenerys a lot of these kind of an arc. A lot of these kind of ended storylines that you know, I feel like they almost could have ended last season. Yeah, you're right. It it does kind of feel it, it's this, feel it's like a weird bridge up. episode. Yeah, in that way. Um, it's cool because it feels immediate. Like you could watch them probably back to back, and they probably fit really well. But uh, it's just a little odd. And I actually well, wonder sure how much yeah. they filmed before. Um, I, like particularly the nights the nights watch scenes. I wonder if they had filmed it and then. You know, I always want. I don't know anything. So you know, people are really gonna laugh at me. I don't. You know, I don't know everything about how <laughs> production works in a TV show. But if you want to pick up right away, I would imagine you sort of carry that scene through to whatever the end of it is, and then then the next season you can pick up somewhere else. But if it's like, for example, at Castle Black, it's not that recreating the scene isn't doable, but it just seems like more work to do that versus just film whatever you're gonna do there first. So when well, yeah, the other thing specifically with Castle Black is that you know, <laughs> if I don't know how they did it, but I assume that if you have a if you film it beforehand, you avoid the situation of all the news sites saying you know, uh, Kit Harrington is back on the Game of Thrones set. What does this mean? But they didn't um, he say like I'm a corpse or something? He did, yeah. Well, I guess, and that's the cover, I guess, right? Right. Because right, now right. his his name can still be in the opening credits, and he'll it, it still gets preserved as as a surprise. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which is smart. Which is smart, I suppose. Yeah. Although they could also just not put his name in the opening credits, and then you know he's in the the final credits. It's not a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, that would be. I don't know what the uh, his contract probably has something to say about that. That's an interesting conundrum. You know, I I wonder about. But you know, so you're working. To, you said you know we're working towards the 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 White Walkers as sort of the end game here. That's why I think you were saying we had this discussion in private. But I, you were saying that you think that this is going to be resolved pretty soon with John. And I still think that it's not going to be till the end of the season. And I have a feeling what's going to happen is the white walkers are going to do something. We might even get a little bit of them in the last like 25% of the season, them actually invading or doing something. Um, But just when things like look bleak, you know, he'll open his eyes or he'll, you know, come out of the fire or whatever the hell, you know, (laughs) resurrection thing they're going to do. And we'll be like, Oh no, this is going to be so cool. Can't wait till next season. And then we'll all sit around waiting for that. I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. I still think it's going to be like mid-season we're going to, because I do think they're going to, I do think they want him to do stuff. Like, we have an implication of uh, something that's going to happen at uh, Winterfell. Melisandre says, I saw him in the fires fighting at Winterfell. Now, that could be something that they're foreshadowing for next season. That's possible. Um, I kind of think that uh, that's going to be a big final battle for this season. Possibly. Yeah, we don't know where the final battle is going to be this season. Here's what I think is going to go down. They've kind of set up this stalemate at Castle Black, and Game of Thrones is great at it's it's so good at keeping characters in one place oh my God. <laughs> for a long period of time. Yes. So I think that you know because there's so many jumping storylines, uh, it's kind of hard to advance any individual one a lot in a single episode. So they could do you know all that happens in episode two is Melisandre walks from her room. <laughs> To the room that John is in, you know. Oh, and then and then they could not show the the, the storyline for three episodes. Exactly, exactly. <sighs> so I think that they could conceivably kind of drag it out, but like at a certain point, you kind of just have to do it. And I don't think that I mean, logistically, just logistically, if you we do wait to the end of the season and his body's still there, we know it's gonna come back as a white. Right. So they can't wait that long. 
but I do think they can drag it out as as long as they possibly can. I think they're gonna wait long enough where people are getting like pissed off and they just they think, oh, you know what? I guess you released it. That sucks. And then boom. At the end of like episode four or something. Basically, all the reasons narratively why I think, aside from coming back as a white, which is a good a good answer, but aside from that, all the reasons narratively I would want him to come back, put him at the end of the season. All the reasons marketing wise why I would want him to come back, <laughs> you know, midway through the season. You know, that's that. So I, I don't know. I um, uh, yeah, um, whatever. If John's John Snow will he'll he'll be back at some point in some form or another. Yeah, that's for sure. Um. So anyway, so we uh from from uh so we there's after the whole thing goes down at Winterfell and well I guess that was last season but then uh, Sansa and Theon aren't dead after jumping off of a wall uh, where they surely would have died uh, yeah. or broken their legs or something. <laughs> um anyway, they landed in the snow, I guess. And yeah. uh they're running through the woods and um Theon has no real plan. Uh, <laughs> apparently, just run through the water and uh, maybe die in the woods, and then it still doesn't work. Um, and then uh, they really only get... Sa- by the way, they telegraphed them getting saved by someone. I guess they could have... I didn't know it would be Brienne because I wasn't thinking about it, although it makes perfect sense. But, like... Like, what? they just going to die there? I-, I don't know. The whole thing was, like, very weird. You kind of yeah, just do... And, and yeah, and it's like... Yeah, what, they're going to get brought back to Ramsey after, like, their big right. cliffhanger was escaping, and they're going to get brought back after right. five minutes? No, come on. Right, and also when Sansa didn't leave, and Theon mm-hmm. was there, and I was like, alright, well, they're not both going to be caught now, come on, that's just stupid. Um, that said, I was pretty uh, was pretty jazzed when uh, Brienne and Podrick showed up, and Podrick Yeah, it's fighting. like, something good is happening on the show yeah, for the time in a while. <laughs> something like, you know, no strings attached good. I will say this, you know, you were talking about agency quite a bit last season and with Theon and, and Sansa and all the rest of it. Um, like, Sansa does nothing throughout this entire sequence. Yeah. And Theon... Although I will say, look, you know, we argued a lot about the direction of Sansa's <laughs> character. Um, I'll, do, I'll leave it at this. If they're gonna revert her to damsel in distress status, I it's okay if Brienne is the one saving her. You know, fine. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, but I'll ultimately... It's uh, Theon who who gets like that last kill. It's Theon who gets you know. Yeah. Oh, that that's saving Podrick though, which I think was a good touch. I think if it had been saving Brienne, it would have been a little uh, patronizing. Right, right, right. <laughs> I right. like that it's saving Podrick. Well, I mean, yeah, and I mean, when is Brienne ever needed? I just figured Brienne would <laughs> exactly. get up. Why was she? She was on the like she was on the ground, but she killed the dude, and then I don't know why she. Oh, this sequence was bizarrely edited. It really this was. is a problem like throughout the episode. Actually, the editing is so strange. Um, you know, we'll get to sequ- an action sequence later where they, they cut three times in the middle of a single motion <laughs> to three different angles. Um, and in this one, yeah, the editing makes it appear like people are teleporting all over the space. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just weird and, like... It, the it worst feels part like is the... you know someone choreographed it, so clearly in that space it works. So why? Exactly. Well, it feels like, um, it, you know, uh, like how... Um, like old... Uh, I don't know... Like you're supposed to, how you uh, you're supposed to use every part of the animal. Like old hunters, you're supposed to use every part of the animal. Right. I feel like that's the uh, motto in the Game of Thrones editing bay: is you have to use every piece of footage <laughs> that they shot, which is why you cameras have, you know, A through D. Exactly, it's why you have like quarter second shots <laughs> from every single angle interspersed. Even though it doesn't actually make any sense and it's really confusing, uh, you just have to use absolutely everything they shot because otherwise they wasted their money. <laughs> right, right, right. It's just, that it's should be weird. a concern on this show anymore. I think they spent $10 million an episode this season. 
Yeah, but then they'll do awesome, um, you know, sort of long shots and things. And depending on the the season, they'll they'll try these other techniques. It's not like listen, I know, like I said, I know I know someone who works. Or maybe I maybe I cut this part out last time, but I do know someone who works on the uh, uh, like the special effects part of it. But forget about that. Like these are real filmmakers who are making this, right? They're, mm-hmm. These people know what they're doing. They know the film techniques. They know everything they're supposed to be doing. So it's not a question of that. It's literally just a question of what I don't know. Whoever's decision making is decision making, and it's bizarre. I don't, like I don't yeah. understand. Although I will it. say, uh, the editing in the final scene is excellent. And we'll get to that when we get to the final scene, but it's really, really good. Uh, so I don't know what's going on <laughs> in in the edit room. The final room. scene. Oh, the very last scene. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, so next next up we have Dorn. <laughs> Was Dorn next? Oh God. Oh. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it's Dorn, and then and then we go to to King's Landing. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> We talked a lot. We talked about Dorn last season. We did. You can go back to listen to those episodes. It's pretty much the we same. We talked about Dorn. <laughs> pretty much. The same. Okay, can I say something though? I think it was last season or at some point you said something. What's the the prince's name? Is it Doran or Yeah, Doran Martell. Doran in Dorn. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh no comment. Um <laughs> I don't know. When he was first introduced, I think you said it or someone was like, "Oh yeah, he's really cool." <laughs> like you yep. literally sat in a chair and died. That was his yep. entire role in this show. In the show, <laughs> it was in the show. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I understand. Like the there's, you know, obviously it's probably different in the. But I don't know. The dude was basically immobilized and then died. Not that there's any. I mean, like you could be in a chair and then like do something, but he didn't even. The chair has wheels. I never saw it move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just sits there. The first time we ever saw him get up was in this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he just yeah, dies. Well, it's so what's bizarre about this and the reason I was excited to see Doran is first of all, Alexander Siddig, very good actor. Yeah. Uh utterly wasted. So, to- oh no, my, totally. I'm, totally. I'm mad on him. his behalf about how <laughs> we, much they wasted that character and his talent. But so I won't spoil the books for people who want to read them, but you know, Doran is a really cool character and he has a lot going on and he doesn't necessarily you know he doesn't get out of his chair but he's uh, he, that doesn't kind of, that doesn't stop him from having an impact on the larger events right. of the show and kind right. of and having an influence on everything that's going on and he has his own agenda and he has his own plan and the moments that those plans are revealed are really like shocking twists and in the show uh they just had him sit around for a season and then they just stabbed him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's really strange. I don't. The show has this bizarre, like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call it what it is. It's a, the, the Sand Snakes fetish on this show is out of control, <laughs> and it, that's that's what it is. That's literally what it is. It's just the obsession with the Sand Snakes. I don't understand it because they haven't made the Sand Snakes do anything really of importance or interest. I mean, they kill Marcella, but like, who cares about Marcella? Marcella didn't do anything either. Well, you know, I can. I mean, I know why Doran died. I mean, it was really. It wasn't the sand. It wasn't like oh, to to prop up the Sand Snakes. There's two reasons for it. One, I think they're kind of interested in making this, you know, female-run kingdom and have that be a part of the story. I think they're trying to do something with that. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make a point. And then the other thing that they're trying to do is. Um, is is just get rid of characters. I think they're just like, oh, you know, I don't yeah, care about this anymore, house. and so let's just kill them. But then, like, 
you, what you have to wonder is like, if that was their plan all along, why did they even bother introducing Doran? Well, they probably introduced because again, the books. Again, now that they're not bound by the but books, then it's just like, like oh, they're, they're cool. just teasing people who read the books. They're like, <laughs> it's, oh, it's cool a little mean. characters from the books that we didn't care about and we were forced to include because you know they had three lines that were kind of important, and now we can kill them and get rid of them. No, but like, not, Doran didn't get to. That's the point. Doran didn't get to do any of the important stuff he does in the book. Like, you know, when um, when um, Alaria is delivering that speech about, oh, you just sitting, you sat in your chair and you did nothing when your sister died. Uh, his response in the book would have been like, uh, <laughs> you don't know the stuff I've been doing because I've been, you know, practicing it in secret and I've had plans all along and I've been doing plenty. What have you been doing? Right. But it's this weird indictment of, it, it feels like an indictment of the book character that's totally unfair. Uh, the way that she speaks to him, because obviously we don't, we haven't heard any about anything about anything she says to him about the way that his subjects feel about him. So this bizarre moment. That's because where all she's the, the writers talking to the character Doran. Exactly, like, but that's why like it's you, yeah. That's why. Well, no, but like I liked Doran. I didn't like the Sand Snakes. <laughs> you like Doran you know, on the show? I liked him more than the Sand Snakes. That's the thing. It's this bizarre Honestly, moment of, of writer self-insertion of like, uh, you know, we're clearing house. Uh, this is this is us, the writers, ex- saying that it's like, did they is it did they think that Doran is the reason people didn't like this storyline last season? Because it's not. <laughs> no, you're, really, you're wrong direction. <laughs> Doran should just fall into the ocean. I think that's it. Really should. Oh, and they killed Tristane too in this like. By the way, this show loves having its women call each other bitches, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, it does it all the time. Did that happen a lot this this episode? It, it in the, one of the sand snakes after uh, um well whale rider kills Tristane, and then her <laughs> sister says, "Oh, you're such a greedy bitch." It's right. like, come on, it's like we know men wrote and directed this. Chill out. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, I mean, I, I, uh, that's it's such a common trope in so many things that I kind of just, I guess, tune it out at this point. But you're, you're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, that was that sequence was stupid. It was all stupid. It was just really dumb. And I don't. Every time I think of the Sand Snakes, now all I can think of is that hilarious final shot of them in the last season where they throw the. Oh, <laughs> the, the handkerchief or whatever it is, and it blows right back at them. <laughs> yeah, and that's the metaphor for the entire plot line. Wait, it's like it's trying if... really hard to be cool and just you know blowing up in their it, face. Exactly, and that's every time I see it, when they show up, I just keep thinking it keeps playing like a gif in my head. But <laughs> I don't know. You probably brought this up last time, and I just didn't. I'm just not remembering it, and I'm thinking really, I'm really clever for bringing this up. But it's like Job when he throws the letter into the ocean over and over again. <laughs> you know. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, so I just I keep thinking of that, and I keep thinking of Job, and it's from, from Arrested Development for, for people who don't know mm-hmm. a re- recurring gag. Or maybe it's just one episode. I don't know. Where he's trying to throw a letter into the ocean, and he can't because he keeps blowing back. Um, but that's that's what it was like, and it's it's just stupid. But it, it, you shouldn't conjure up memories of a like straight up <laughs> comedy when you're trying to be epic and assassiny and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's like. Really, it's it's. I don't know where this leaves Dorn because the plotline f- from the beginning was isolated from everything else that was going on. It only mattered to anything else because of Marcella and because Jamie went there. Now ja- Marcella's <laughs> dead. Right, Jamie's I thought gone. once they left, we wouldn't have to hear about these people anymore. Who cares? Yeah. Well, yeah, but but the reason that I thought is because Doran was connected to everything else that was going on, and that that would start to become a part of it. But now he's dead. 
His only heir is dead. First of all, who's going to rule Dorne? <laughs> I don't think Alari has any claim. Whatsoever. She doesn't have any claim. I think that the whole point is that they're trying to... She's going to be oh, like... Oh, God, I swear rule. to God, if we have to deal with, like, a whole season of, like, the you know, the Dornish coup, oh, I don't no, know what I'm going to no, do. No, no, that's exactly what's happening. That was the Ugh. whole point of that scene, with all the guards, like, just watching this happen. It's exactly what it is. We're going to have to sit through an entire season of Ilaria sitting in Doran's stupid chair yep. and, like, and like grimacing at the Sand Snakes because people don't like her. <laughs> and also um, plotting, you know, some sort of revenge on... Yeah, that surely will never go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, or, or it will, and then that would be even worse because then they'll be intricately tied into what's going on in the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. And that's all that can happen. We know that that's all that can happen, by the way, is her sitting in the chair because as we talked about last season, the place that they're shooting this uh, is like an ancient castle in Spain. <laughs> right. So they could, they have these severe restrictions placed on the filming. Right. So pro- literally all they can probably do is like shoot her sitting in a chair with the sand snakes like standing around. <laughs> basically, that's they're pr- basically tied to this. Yeah. Um, and I really don't think it's worth it. I mean, it's it's pretty, but like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's like who cares? Who cares? Cho- choices, choices. Yeah. I mean, I get. I guess the crew gets to like chill in Spain, but. I mean, um, hey, look, more power to them, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um. So, uh, but then we go to King's Landing, and we see Cersei. Well, first of all, uh, the the boat comes back. Um. Mm. And uh, Cersei finds out that her daughter has died and uh you know at this point um she may be evil but you know like her her life i mean it's always sucked but like it it just blows man okay okay hang on i want to step back just for a second because i'm looking at the wikipedia page for this and it says and i think this must be accurate that when tristane dies it's inside the ship that jamie came back on which still docked in the harbor what? Um, you would think you would think Jamie Lannister would understand the importance of keeping hostages, right? Wait, what? <laughs> that's what. And I mean, it's right. Well, first of all, that doesn't make any sense because it wasn't the the weren't weren't those two sand snakes on the dock at the end? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. What? What? That where doesn't make any. Where was Tristane you know what? Going? Maybe that maybe that's not right because I think it is on the ship. Tristane was on the ship, but even. Aren't there only, Wait. like, four Sand Snakes? There's three and Alaria, yeah. Because there's the three? one who was with Alaria, and then there's the two who were with Tristane. But weren't the um, Sand Snakes at the place killing all the dudes? Yeah. Is this a new boat? <laughs> I thought it was just well, a room The Wikipedia page has, this, has the Tristane scene under the King's Landing header. So the implication is that this is the ship at King's Landing, which really begs the question, after his uh, daughter died... Why didn't Jamie take Tristane? Yeah, that's why hostage? I don't think I don't think that's right. I think what it is is they're probably just connecting it, saying, like wrapping up the other, or someone put the paragraph in the wrong place. I I can't imagine that would make. No, any I mean sense it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Time and location wise, it wouldn't work at all. I don't know yeah. where. I just thought there was some room at the castle or whatever, you know, in Dorne, or. If it was on a boat, it's a boat Tr- Tristane was on to somewhere else. But I, Everything I with know. Dorne is just a disaster. <laughs> Everything is a disaster. It shouldn't be this confusing. That's really, really the should... point. Why is it confusing? Well, like, we should have the swing of this show by now, right? <laughs> like, this show kind of jumps around a lot, but we should be, we should get it by now. I would, I would hope between the two of us we'd be able to figure it out. I, I don't think, I think really what it is is that it was just in some room somewhere and someone screwed up the wiki. That, that must be it. 
Yeah. Although, wait a minute. He's painting the eyes on the on the rocks. So that implies that he's going to be at Marcella's funeral, right? Is that what he's doing? Yeah, he's painting the eye. <laughs> what? So he has to be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> this makes no sense. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's only three oh. sand snakes. How is that physically <laughs> possible? They were must, there, were there they must just teleport. Were they there teleport. two boats and Tristan was on like a second boat that's on its way? Oh, okay, maybe. But like they never told us that. Yeah, so... why would they take two boats? <laughs> I, I guess maybe because they were like, oh, Tristan will go and, you know, attend the funeral. And then when they got word or whatever. But how would they get mm-hmm. word? Jamie just got there. <laughs> how would they even, how would he even know that she's dead? Yeah. If he's this not makes, on the boat. This, this is one of those weird things where um, I think the show, because it's been a year since the show aired, the show feels like time has passed, like within the, the, the meta but it hasn't. Uh, universe. <laughs> I know. They just like got the King's Landing. I know. It, it, like, it's literally five minutes later in the logic of the show, but the show also wants us to believe that it's been the ten months that it's been in real life. Oh, just kill me. <laughs> Is God, okay. I never want to talk about Dorn ever again. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think we're gonna have to. Ugh. And the worst part is, is like the all the actors in Dorn are good. I don't know what yeah. is going on, but like they're just cheesy and it's not fun and it's. It really is. It really is like you know, like a B, like a B movie yeah. you would see at the video store. It's like what I imagine the one. Beware the deadly be sand like. snakes. Yeah. Uh, but then the one hundred is actually a really awesome show and much better than Game of Thrones. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um. <laughs> From the, so so yeah so I feel bad for Cersei. Um, I I gotta say I'm a little weirded out by Jamie's interest in Cersei. Like she's his sister. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm weirded out. He's had <laughs> he's had this weird like arc where he sort of became goodish, and I don't understand mm. his. I understand his attachment to the to his daughter. But like his, you know, nobody matters except for us. It's just us. We're the only ones who matter. I know he's upset about his daughter dying, but I don't know. Like he doesn't seem to be able to see Cersei for what her her complete, despite how terrible her life is. Again, I want to emphasize terrible things can happen to terrible people, but she's still a terrible person. She hasn't really ever done anything good ever, as far as I can tell. Um, Whereas Jamie has. So I kind of like, I feel like he would at some point be like, you know... There's other people out there. <laughs> I don't, not like in a bat, like in a mean way, but just you know, like eh, you know, and go and do something else. But he's like, no, we're gonna be together no matter what. This yeah, is especially because since she thing. was really cold to him last season before she sent him yeah. off. Like it's... I thought that's where that was going, is that they were drifting apart. But he seems to be more committed to the two of them than ever. I and I, I'm, I'm just bad, it, and it, it, it like makes me uncomfortable because. You can't have one character like progress and change so much and then come back to exactly where they were. And yeah. it's it just seems very strange to me. I understand they're in love or whatever, but Well, that's what I said about Sansa, but you didn't believe me. Come back. <laughs> well, right, but I but I guess I disagreed on her coming yeah, back. Yeah, you disagreed on her, how far her progression had go, had gone, I guess, but, right, right, which right. is fair, which but which is But fine, Jamie but, demonstrably has helped Brienne, yes. you know, sacrifice his hand. I mean, like there's there's no question that he's you know flirting with being a good guy 
and uh, has some for some reason been like, no, no, I'm gonna go back to Cersei, who has done nothing but like cheat and steal to get to where she is. Well, this scene is so. Th- this scene is really like. It it should have been cut. It, it's really ex- extraneous, and I guess you know, if you if you're gonna keep it in, the only reason to keep it in is because it's the season premiere, and you need a scene with Jamie and Cersei, their main well, characters. And we had to see Tristan die because he was really the most important character that everyone remembers. Yeah, we need to see that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, especially I, I, since in the previous the way, scene you'd had someone say Tristan is dead. <laughs> Basically, that would have been yeah. like, oh, they killed Tristan too. Okay. Look, we need more Sand Snakes. The HBO executive said. <laughs> They love Sans, the Sand Snakes. Sand Snakes. They want a Sand are, Snakes spinoff. <laughs> uh, the focus groups love the Sand Snakes. Um, I, I will say this: uh, when uh, Dorn, the whole Dorn thing was going on, my I wrote down, "Ugh, why are we spending any time in Dorn at all?" Which is <laughs> basically my whole feeling about this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Marine. Oh, so we have the scene in Marine. So, what, what's your uh, what's your take on that? <laughs> yeah. Why are Tyrion and Varys walking through a l- empty sets? Literally empty. Well, that's what they say. They're like, it, it, I, and I, it's not for lack of people. They had extras. I think it's intentional, right? Like they said. I know, but it just looks. Stops. But it, I mean, but the city could stop, and there could still be like a person hanging around. But like, it's literally they're walking through empty sets. And my, but my point really is that it makes it more apparent that they're sets, right? That because well, nobody. But no, there. that's what I was saying. It I, doesn't I feel, feel like a real place. I disagree. That's why I felt. I don't know because there was no one there. I don't know that's why, but I actually felt like Marine was a real place for the first time. It felt big and open, and they were just walking through some random, like by a wall. But it's it's not an alleyway. It's not like a location. It's just a transitional spot that you would imagine someone might film. Let's put it this way: There's a good scene. Of, you've seen Serenity, right? Yeah, of course. So the opening to Serenity is like a really long. Well, no, sorry, not the very opening, but the opening after the opening credits is like a long take from the one end of the ship to the other. And you see all like the nooks and crannies and you sort of, you see all this like interstitial, you know, area. And it makes the ship feel like a real thing because it was really built. They really built this ship um, for as a set. And I think that there's something to be said for that. And so while this it was a set, it's a set that like, if somebody asked you to design it, it's like, oh, design a corner with like buy a wall. But like in an like in a markety type thing, but it's not a market. Nothing, no market things will be happening. But just design that and make it look like the rest of Marine. It's a weird thing to ask someone to design in this whole place. I don't know if maybe it's real. Maybe it's not a set. Maybe it's a place they were at. You know, some old, you know, villa or something. But it looked real when they were walking through it. Now it's empty, and I think that that was very intentional because I don't know. Someone's watching them. There's a couple of shots from somewhere, and we don't know what that's all about. Um, as they're sort of exploring. The well, city. yeah, I liked those shots because they don't draw attention to them. No, they don't. Um, yeah, I, I they don't go the, like uh, somebody's over there. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, in the first time they do it, you can kind of clearly see that, that someone's there, and there it's when Tyrion and Varys are talking about being watched. Right. Um, but later on, they keep they kind of keep doing it, and it continues to give that impression without like drilling it into your head that someone's spying on them. Right, right, right. But the reason I think. The reason this kind of um, rang false for me was I, it reminded me of, like, the movies that you would make with your friends in high school, and you would only go to, like, abandoned places in town because you were too embarrassed to, like, be acting around real people. <laughs> uh, like, that's the impression I got. And to me, it made it made it feel just kind of, like, cheap, I guess. This awkward, uh, these awkward dialogue scenes and these really, and these, yeah, really well-designed, beautiful sets, but, like, no nobody's there. 
yeah. I get, I get, I understand the intentionality of it and the impression that they're trying to convey, but it just, it didn't quite hit for me. To me, it just seemed like a real place. I mean, compare this to last season, right? Every shot of Marine was a goddamn palace or an alleyway with people getting stabbed every time. Yeah, if that's was, true. There was no lived space in that entire, you know, it was just Danny walking around doing whatever. And um, in this case, we have this weird, it's weird. I'm not saying it's not strange, but like, why aren't people around? Why, you know, why all of a sudden is there like a group of people running through this area? You know, it, and as they're talking, and I like their conversation. I thought it fit what was going on too. It wasn't like they were talking and pretending like, oh, this is normal that no one's here. They were like, no, no one's here. Everything seems to have just stopped. And they find people are sort of gathered at these little areas, you know, and they're listening to the, the Red Priest and all the rest of it, but they're not really sure what's going on. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I dug that. The one thing I will say is I was a little disappointed that they had to give Varys this ridiculous line about his birds again. I mean, I get it. Like you have spies, <laughs> but like that was like a line from season one that they decided, oh, let's let's bring that back. And then he takes even further, like, and then they'll come back and they'll sing a little song to me. He's like, oh, we get it. They're they're spies. Yeah. You're, you you do spies. We know you do the spy thing. It's just weird. Um, well, you're gonna feel like a fool when it's revealed he's talking about real birds. Yeah, <laughs> he, he actually talks. He actually, all the three-eyed ravens actually his. Uh, <laughs> then I'll feel like an idiot. Yeah, or he's talking to Bran maybe. You never know. It um, wouldn't be the weirdest theory I've heard about Varys, believe me. <laughs> that The weirdest one, I'll just say it, the weirdest one is that he's a merman who's trying to flood Westeros. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that one a lot. <laughs> what the? <laughs> Where did that come okay. from? When you have to wait six years in between books, it messes with your head. <laughs> he's a merman. I swear to God that's real. I swear to God that's real. Oh my god, that is really funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to know. All right, well, anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that is new. You know, there's stupid yeah. fan theories like Jar Jar is a you know a dark Jedi or and all mm-hmm. that stuff is just outlandish and silly and fun to whatever. But like, Varys is a merman. What? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I love about it is that there's no indication, even in the books, that merman even exists. Yeah, in that's this right. World. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's why it's, it's not like so Varys is a dragon. It's right. like, well, it's stupid, but like we know dragons are real in this world at least. Right. <laughs> at least there's a frame of reference. <laughs> oh my god, that was really funny. Um, uh, but oh, the and the other weird thing about this scene is that, and this is you know this carries over from last season, um, and this is not unique to Game of Thrones either. The graffiti on the wall. Yeah. First of all, they're in a city that where everyone speaks Valyrian, but the graffiti is in uh, the common tongue. Right. Um, but then, when it says uh, Misa is a master, you have that one word in Valyrian. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't understand. I don't know if they have different scripts, but why didn't they just write it in a different thing and then put it... Yeah, because they're going to just have them read it. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. And then, by the way, it's like, we know what Misa means at this point. We've known for, like, three seasons what Misa means. I know, like, said it a million mother. times. Like, surely Tyrion, if he knows any Valyrian, knows, learned, like, how to say mom and dad, right? Oh, and then... I really... I, I gotta say, and now this is a recurring... This episode was really funny. Uh, Game of Thrones humor doesn't usually hit for me, but this episode was genuinely funny, and I loved the part where Varys says she thinks you you want to eat her baby. Right. Um, that was quite funny. Right, right. I, and I actually liked... Um, I don't know. I liked the... But first of all, I like bearded Tyrion. Uh, I like... Marine, for the first time, I mean, we're having a conversation with Marine like it's like a place that we don't hate. 
Uh, <laughs> but like, I wanted it to burn to the ground for an entire season, and now I'm like, all right, but why? Because Danny's not trying to figure out how to run the place. It's just you know, Tyrion and Varys, who you know have always been fun to watch, and they're just walking around talking to each other. So yeah, obviously it's great. Um, interesting that they burned all the ships. Yeah, I wonder. I'm curious about the impetus because there's no, you know. I didn't realize there were ships at first. By the way, I was like, "What?" Well, I guess the implication is that the Sons of the Harpy did it, right? Right. But it's it's weird that first of all, I'm not sure (laughs) the Sons of the Harpy are so stupid because we really we still don't know what their goals are except to mess with Daenerys, but she's gone. Um, so we don't really know why, uh, what reason they would have to burn the fleet, uh. You know what the, what their motivation is in general. We don't know anything about them, and there's the kind of hint that we'll find out because Tyr- uh, Varys says that he's his little birds are looking into who their leader is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll find out more about that. But yeah, it's a strange moment to leave off on because it is you know a striking visual, dramatic visual, and it's kind of ostensibly a dramatic plot development that um, Tyrion and Varys can't leave. Although <laughs> they have to run the city. I mean, they they kind of they're kind of obligated to. Right. They couldn't just leave anyway. Um, so I guess we'll see where it goes. This is another example of, like, this episode kind of feeling like it's one half of a story. Right, that certainly didn't end. All, I mean, although, I mean, it comes to, a, it's con- the conclusion is the boats were burned. All right, I mean, like, we don't need, it's not a cliffhanger. Uh, yes, but it, my, my guess more my feeling is, like, we don't really have any context for why that matters yet. Except for, like, it's bad that, well, it's we, bad well, that we, they did that. We know now that Danny has no chance of going to. Oh, Oh, of course. Well, because Danny's completely separate. I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's all the her one both, thing. All her boats are gone. Were she to come back and somehow gain control of her ships again, and yada yada yada, mm-hmm. that would be, um, you know, she doesn't really have a way to get there except for by dragon. She could just show up in Westeros by dragon. That is also another option. Um, well, speaking of Danny. Yeah. So next Danny. Up, right. Yeah. Well, f- first of all, we have the exact scene that we described at the end of last season, where Dario and Jorah find the ring and say a Khaleesi lay here. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, right. I really wanted him to say it. I he was didn't. hoping he, I was, I was hoping he was uh, gonna like, start, you know, crawling through the, <laughs> or kick a helmet or, you know, break oh, his foot. Would have been perfect. <laughs> By the way, um, do you think that they uh just give the same shot of Jorah looking at his forearm to the special effects guys and they just add more grayscale to it every time? Because <laughs> it's the exact same shot. It's, and it's yeah. Like, once well, an episode, he's gonna look at his wrist dramatically. It's like. Ugh, dude. I gotta say, let's I'm, go somewhere with this. I liked Jorah and Tyrion together. I don't care about Dario Naharis. I never have. So this, <laughs> this compare. By the way, I'm impressed. I remembered his name. Um, this like <laughs> pairing of two people who are really in love with Daenerys. Well, Game of Thrones is always like it's been really into the idea of kind of oddball character pairings and these characters True. you don't think would work well together bouncing off each it's other. It's not that they but would I work don't... well together. Dario Naharis is like a an energy suck. I don't want him with anybody because he's boring. That's kind of well. That's kind of how I feel about um, Jorah at times really? too, which is which is I think the problem. It's you have this kind of you know. It's kind of one note. Well, yeah, you have Dario, who's like this kind of generically roguish uh, charm, who's not really charming or interesting at all, and then you have Jorah, who's kind of you know. Uh, a bland devotee, uh, you know, Daenerys loyalist, right. and you put them, yeah, you put them together, and it's like it's not, it's not when you put characters with opposing goals and stick them together, right. or kind of opposing personalities. Right. They're both like, they're, I guess, like they're just they're too similar, and their primary attributes are 
being kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, I always like Jorah more. I mean, Jorah has always been an interesting character relative to Darren Aharis. I mean, Darren Aharis has literally oh, well, yeah. no way to like um, describe him. Uh, oh, I just thought of it. This has been eluding me for so long, but I know exactly who Dario Naharis is. He's like a um, he's like the protagonist of an unmade Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> who he's just kind of like you know, you know he's like an action hero, and he's just kind of like you know he's like um, what's his fi- Assassin's Creed Two, the Ita- the Italian Renaissance guy. That's he's it. like that, but like not an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, but like Ezio's Ezio's funny and and and. Uh... You know, yeah. he's he's in that mold. Dario's in that mold, but he's not really anything. No, he's more like Desmond. He's he is closer to Desmond. He's closer to Desmond. Like Ezio is like you know likes to go out and have a good time and like you know he's escaping from you know in the beginning of the first Assassin's Creed two right uh, he's like mm-hmm. escaping from he's like visiting some woman that he's in love with and like is trying to escape or something like that like. It, that's instantly a, it's it's cheesy and cliche, but like you know, at least that's something. Like Darian Harris never even did that. He's just like, I can fight good, and I like Danny, and that's basically it. That's his whole mm. character. So, um, but you're right, yeah. So he's more like Desmond. Who he has is kind of no the he is kind of the male. Uh, he's kind of the transposed male version of like the in the way that the Sand Snakes are a terrible quote-unquote strong female character. He's kind of like what the male version of that would be, where his only real function in the story is to sleep with Danny and be hot. <laughs> is he hot? I don't know. He's got a big beard. <laughs> He's not into beards. Um, anyway, but this is completely beside the point. So we see them for like two seconds, and then it's mostly Danny. Um, this was kind of an interesting sequence with the uh, the new the Horde. Yeah, well, I I like to, first of all, I like being back with the Dothraki because I miss that uh, that energy and that cult of the culture Absolutely, on the show yeah. because they're so different from everything else that happens on the show. I miss their theme, you know, their leitmotif on the score. Right. As soon as it happened again, I was like, oh, I remember that. Um, yeah, it's it's weird how. Uh, what well, what do you what are your thoughts on this sequence? I guess because well, my my first my first thought is that. Uh, Khal Drogo could literally swallow any of these people. I mean, they're <laughs> Seriously. like one eighth his size. I'm like, this is a joke, right? Like, you're the. I thought because the first couple of people, I was like, oh, you're not, Khal, you know, you're not the leader, so whatever. But then they show the leader, and he's like this shrimpy dude. I'm like, all right, nah. <laughs> but then what's cool is I was like really worried they were gonna do a whole thing where it was gonna be sort of like a nightmare version of what happened the first season with Danny. I'd be like, this is totally you know a regressive yeah. move that's completely useless i wouldn't have put it past the show exactly that's why i was worried about it but then they do this really interesting thing where you know she's pretending like she doesn't speak to Tharaki, but then it turns out she does and then she gives her full title for some reason just oh, they don't care about that all they care about is the Dothraki part just to do that daenerys loves pretending that she doesn't know a language and then turning it around on people yeah Yes, actually, that is a thing she does a lot. And it's smart. I mean, if you know a language and they're, like, talking, then you shouldn't reveal it. But at that point, he was basically threatening her, so he, she she said yeah. something. But, again, the only part that mattered was, like, the Khaleesi part, the, the was married to Khal Drogo part, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that was the only thing that mattered. Um, and finally, when she got to the important information after, you know, giving 5,000 different versions of who she is... <laughs> um, Again, I really don't know why. She spent all this time with the Tesseraki. She Certainly she would know that they don't care about her stupid 
the dragon part only matters if you have dragons. Otherwise, they don't care. Um, yeah. So the only so the only thing that matters was, was this when she finally said that. The one thing I found really interesting was, um, the fact that uh, apparently widows of calls go to this place um, in in Vaisdothrak, right? And what I think yeah. is really cool is I've always wanted to see that. I guess the city. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm super excited because we haven't seen that before, right? No, it's um, the very beginning of season one was kind of, I I think it was supposed to be around via Stothrak, but it's because uh, it was on like the intro and the map of the intro. Right, right. Um, so I guess we'll be seeing that again soon, which is cool. Which I'm, but you know, it's not like now. I think I guess they have the budget to actually do to do it right. The right. city, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm stoked for that, but I also love the I love. They said, "Oh, you're gonna go live with these women." I kind of like. That's a whole crop of characters they can invent, and they can make her. You know, if she ends up becoming any sort of leader again, they can become her new cohort. Because I'm sure she's going to meet them. They're probably going to be like, you know, this isn't our choice you know, to live here. Mm-hmm. And then she'll unite them, and then they'll, you know, kill their way out or something. That's what I think might happen. Or she'll meet some sort that, of, yeah. you know, nemesis or something. But uh, either way, that, I, that's I kind like of what I foresee too. Is 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 her leading an uprising of the Dothraki women? Right. Um, I think that's. I think that's kind of where they're going. I, I, I do want to say, though, about the scene where she confronts the call. Um, first of all, it is funny, that one moment where the, um, his Kalasar is talking about the things that are... First of all, they're doing the Conan the oh, Barbarian yeah. reference, what is best in life. Right, yes. Um, and then he says, all right, well, seeing women naked is one of the top five best right, things right, in life. Right. Um, that, was, that was really, really funny. It's also but, something that would never have happened with Call Jogo. That's what's no, well, that's the thing. The tone of this scene is so bizarre because first of all Danny's being threatened with rape <laughs> so to have this weird like bro comedy fair, moment this, is strange in their culture it's not like out of the ordinary i know it's not like i'm not trying to justify it i'm just it, like for them it's not like they're throwing it out like it's some you know it's not like no and i'm talking about the way that the show is you know kind of inserting this comedy it, it's making this scene a comedic moment right. uh when you know it's not it, it, it's what what's being what, what we think is about to happen is not uh it, it should have and I, I guess you know to be fair uh that doesn't happen so the show kind of gets away with presenting well, it that way well but it's not present i don't think it's presenting it that way it's almost worse because daenerys has to stand there while they're making jokes and her like life and personhood and the rest of it is in jeopardy so yeah. it's kind no of but that's the, the problem is that the jokes are funny <laughs> you <Well>. know <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That is kind of a problem. What, are you supposed to write bad jokes? I guess, yeah. Because if, if you don't want uh, if you don't want the, your audience to be laughing along with these people, <laughs> true, true. which I found myself doing because right. it's a funny moment. You're right. You're right. Um, I guess because they, yeah, so, right. so they knew that they were not going to do it. They were like, oh, that's fine. Well, by the way, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, I think that they mention in season one what happens to the Dothraki widows. I think they do because I think it becomes a thing once Khal Drogo is going to die. I think as Kalasar starts telling her what's to, like, you know, we're going to send you to wherever. Um, I could be wrong. I could be misremembering. But if that is the case, then it's weird that <laughs> it's weird that she wouldn't remember that. Um, she might remember it, but she was probably hoping that they would just let her go. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's her only card to play. You're right. But anyway, if that was the thing, I certainly didn't remember it. So I'm glad they told me that. Yeah. I didn't need to know what Misa meant, but that that was <laughs> that was uh, that was good. So I like the scene. Um, I think after this, it go, we go right back to uh, 
Oh, so there's that 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 brief scene in um in Bravos, yeah. In Bravos with uh, Arya where she's yeah. she's Daredevil now, so. Yeah, exactly. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up first. No, she, this is this is exactly Daredevil. Um she's blind and she has to learn to this fight. This is that episode blind. stick from Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, it's literally that. <laughs> um which isn't a problem. I mean, it, it'd be cool if she's like, you know, a blind assassin. You know, that's, that's well. This is kind of what we um, wanted from last season, right? It's what we wanted the assassin it, training. Did we? Yeah. Well, we wanted it more it than her, so like you know, ago. standing around in the in the house of black and white, not doing anything. Right. Right. You're right. Well, yeah. I mean, there was all that build up, and like, I don't know, it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's cool. I think the. The effect is cool, and she's you know now playing a a, a blind character, and the, the I think the 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 woman who shows up is the one from the house. Yeah, the waif. Uh, so yeah, not really a character, <laughs> more just a kind of uh plot, plot object plot to, object. to <laughs> hit Arya with every episode. Right, right. Which you know. I'm sure, and I'm sure they'll skip over her, and then, and you know, two episodes later, they'll be, like, fighting for real, and they'll be like, oh, wow, she's learned how to fight now, great. Um, or it'll be a montage or something. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, the idea seems cool. I don't know where they're going with it. I really don't know what Arya's role is supposed to be in this show. It hasn't had anything to do with anything for seasons. Yeah, I mean, like, every, everything she's doing is, you know... The, the corner of the world that she's in is always interesting because it's not a corner we would otherwise see. Right. So I appreciate it on that level. Um, but you're right. It's It's been a long time since she's been connected. This is what we I used to complain about with Daenerys. I used to think, like, Daenerys, you know, I, I like her, but, like, nothing she does has any impact on anything else. Right. Whereas every other storyline is all intertwined. Um, and now that's obviously not the case because uh, since we have characters like Tyrion and Varys over there and she, her... You know, she more directly impacts the things going on in Well, Westeros. she was impacting an entire continent, though, and you, the idea was that she was working back towards... You could see where her storyline was going. Like, oh, eventually she's going to cross the sea and go back and... Yeah. Whatever. I really... Like, where's, what's Arya going to do? What role could she possibly have? Do assa- who she is... I guess she's building up to an assassination of somebody. I mean, but... Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, like, you know, will she fully commit to uh, to the faceless men and be, you know just become one of them and and she kind of is given an assignment and kind of just by accident becomes re-embroiled with the main plot or will she kind of it will she be trained by them and she'll take uh all of her new knowledge and she'll leave to fulfill her own agenda because she still has that list she still has people she wants to kill right 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 so i could see her like you know this season learning everything she has to learn and then going back to Westeros to finish killing people. That's possible. I mean, like I said, it, it, I guess it could go a bunch of different ways. It just doesn't feel like it has a direct route like everything else does. Yeah. Um, and it's so quick. I mean, this is this was a problem last season, too. Um, we would get these kind of, you know, oh, yeah, short like, spurts of her storyline, right. and none of it went anywhere. Right. Uh, so this is, you know... I don't need to see her get trained for a season. I'll <laughs> yeah. say that. Well, especially if it's just her sitting in an alley getting hit with a stick. Right, exactly. Um, I also like how no one reacts to this. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. She's. I understand that's like a class comment, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, nobody seems to care that when poor people beat each other up. Um, but yeah, uh, I just found it funny that everyone else just wasn't reacting. Um, so one more thing before we go to uh, Melisandre. Uh, there was one that brief moment with Marjorie and uh, High Sparrow. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, again, it's basically, they're just reminding us what's what's up with her. Yeah, not really anything going on there. The one thing I don't understand is like what. Sh- I guess I just find it kind of interesting. It's a really, it's a good racket being in the High Sparrow or doing being in the Sparrows and doing all that. You know, like confess, confess your sins in the Game mm-hmm. of Thrones world because literally everybody has done something horrible. So <laughs> eventually, it's going to give you something. Either they'll yeah. lie or they'll admit to something horrible or whatever. And she was, she did. I wonder if they're going to try and get her to confess to Joffrey's murder. Is that the way they're going with that? Um, it's possible. I mean, we. Uh, we know that she had some hand in it, right? Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, no. We I know, think... obviously, her, obviously, her grandmother did, and it's the implication is obviously that she was involved right. in some capacity. So my um, my assumption is that's what's going to happen. So there's going to be because I, I I think the trajectory of Marjorie's character is just to come you know conflict with Cersei. So that's my assumption is mm-hmm. that's where it's going. Well, um, I'm, it's interesting that they didn't show Loras. It kind of it implies that he's um, working on Iron Fist. <laughs> oh, that's right! Oh my God, isn't that awful? I forgot about that. That's why he's not in this episode. Oh my God! I'm ca- I mean, I'm. I, I don't know that the schedules actually overlapped. He was only just <laughs> cast. Um, but oh, that's true. He's he's fine in this show. Uh, he's just like the most. Boring. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He shows up every. He shows up every couple episodes. He's like, hey, there's a gay character on this show. Right. And um, <laughs> uh, but he's he's just the. Like with no like a, no intentional offense to the character, but he's like the most bo- like most white bread boring person, and uh, you know I don't know. I feel like Iron Fist. I don't care about the character, but <laughs> more interesting. Um, but anyway, he's not in this episode. Marjorie is, and uh, I, and I like her character, and I uh, I hope we get more of her. I, I think that was a good indication that they'll she'll have some fairly large point to play when she if she ever confesses um and or someone will come and you know do it with the sparrows but i have a feeling i get this strong impression that the high sparrow is going to be a, one of the lingering baddies yeah i have no idea where this is going i'm really like curious because it, you know this is not no comment on my book knowledge because like i said it's you know it, that's useless now right. Um, and it's not like <laughs> it's not like they're changing anything it's just like this is all new territory right um, I, yeah, I have no idea where any of this is going, except in terms of where Cersei's at, her headspace, um, I guess, like, she she really has no power. Nobody has any power except the Sparrows. So, except, well, except for maybe Jamie. Jamie is kind of, um, empowered by, just by virtue of his, uh, combat ability. <laughs> um, so he could, he could try to start something. There's also, you know, uh, there, that, uh, her purple-faced bodyguard, who is oh, certainly right. not a resurrected dead character. Who they didn't even hint at this episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh my! I, I I forgot about him actually. It was if I if they hadn't showed him in the uh, in the recap, I would have completely forgotten that he existed. That they brought it, that him back to life. Um, I wow. I just you know honestly I skipped the uh, the recap, so I just wanted to see if I could remember anything, and uh, <laughs> you know I did all right. Um, <laughs> I didn't remember this thing about Melisandre. Uh, that uh, that happens in the fi- <laughs> final scene, right? So yeah, so let's get let's move into the final episode. We cut back to Castle Black, and the uh, you know, first of all, everyone has barricaded themselves in the room with John's body, right. and they're kind of waiting for Ed to come back with the wildlings, um, which I think was the, the pacing of this is smart because it's the first, it's the only uh, location that we cut back to. Everything else is just we cut, you know, we get a chunk, 
of each storyline, and then we move on to the next one. But this right. is the one. This book ends it. So I like the idea of Ed leaving immediately to go get the wildlings, and then when we come back, it's the following morning. Um, oh, there, well, there was also a scene that we don't really need to talk about where Alistair Thorne just takes command and says, yeah, I killed him, whatever. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about it. One thing I just want to say is, like, I like how everyone's like, murderer, and then he's like, yeah, but John kind of sucked, and then everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> what? I Well, we talked about being really disappointed with the tra- trajectory of that character last season um, because they kind of they set him up for a, a nice redemption with, in terms of his relationship right. with John, and then they just whiffed completely. Um, they did it, yeah, and but, they're still, and Ollie's still a character. Oh God, Ollie! Ollie, still a character. <laughs> he doesn't have any lines, but they talk. Yeah. You know, they mention. I like how Alice no, is like... just like, no, no, we all did it. All the officers and Ollie, mm-hmm. and you know, yep. Well, I like that they keep teasing like, uh, Alistair being uh more sympathetic to John because he says like, look, I I'm sure he did what he thought was right. right. And the way that, again, this is what we said last season, the way that the actor is performing the character uh, has kind of uh, different implications than the script ends up having. Right. Um, the way that the actor delivers that line is genuine, but it seems like when you, if you were just to read that speech, I feel like it would seem... It would seem like it was supposed to be delivered in a kind of spiteful way. It's like, look, or, oh, I'm sure he did what he thought was right. Or faux sympathetic, um, you know. Or like exactly, a way, a yeah, way but to, the actor delivers it genuinely. A way to get is, the, the audience who who supports him to be like, well, yeah, I mean, he did sort of screw everyone over, you know. Yeah, but he plays this character as a very genuinely honorable man right. who recognizes honor in John even though he doesn't like him. And the script just doesn't back him up. Yeah, I mean... But I like it. I, I I think I prefer that to just this, you know, generically awful character. No, yeah, I I just wish I wish there was more consistency. I mean, one of my the most memorable moments from the first season is Alistair's uh, whole little monologue about getting caught out beyond the wall and then eating each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great moment. And so like, and at that point, it almost seems like he's trying to scare John. He doesn't like John, but he's also taking time to explain something to him. Yeah, um, and so, he has like, a couple moments like that throughout the series. Exactly, and so like I, he's more interesting than just a generic, you know, like awful boot camp instructor or you know whatever. He's like an, you know. But he lost a lot of that just just by stabbing John. Yeah, I mean, right, he, and it was like, where did that so go? And now it's goes back away. again. You're like, what? But yeah, because they they don't maybe set him up as the character it. who would. Maybe, maybe I mean, if they go that direction, that but like you have to imagine that. The first order of business once John's up again is like we're gonna cut off their heads. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I also cuts have off a strong feeling head. he does not suspect that um, John is ever coming back. So. Oh no. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting uh, re-meeting, I suppose. So let's dig into this final scene. Yeah, last um, scene. Speaking of coming back from the dead. Um, <laughs> so. Everyone was talking about this, and I, I confess somebody spoiled it for me uh, just before uh. I saw it. And it wasn't that I was literally I was on uh, I was I was uh, it was like a GIF subreddit, you know, like mm-hmm. a high quality GIFs I think, and like they have great GIFs there. Or no, no, no it wasn't. It was Photoshop battles, and someone photoshopped. They were like blah 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 Melisandre, and then they it was an image of her other form or her real form or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, well now I know. Ugh. You know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "God damn it!" Um, but it, it doesn't really matter because I still don't really. This was not the most interesting part of the episode for me. I know it's whatever. No, was well, I mean, about. it's a it's a strange moment for a couple reasons because one, 
uh, it's very clearly the intention is very clearly like to leave on the shocking moment that everyone will be tweeting about. Right. The Game of Thrones does all the time. Right. The final scene is always like the thing that everyone's going to write their think piece about. They've gotten really good at that. Uh, but this moment is not really that, especially for a season premiere, not really that shocking. It doesn't really tell it. Like, we knew that Melisandre was a witch, right? Right. So the fact that she's using magic in this capacity isn't really that surprising. There have been insinuations that she's, you know, much older than she appears. Um, what really, I think, gets the moment across is, like I mentioned editor uh, earlier, the editing. Uh, the way that it's uh, cut is really, really cool. They kind of, They avoid doing any sort of in-camera transformation. Right. Shot, uh, sequence, any kind of special effects or even uh, makeup and prosthetics, you don't see it happen. So you have this kind of blurry mirror that she looks into where you see kind of the vague shape of her. Right. And then um, it cuts to her taking off the uh, necklace and she puts it down and then you see in the mirror it's like it, it looks different. And then it just cuts back to the exact same composition, the exact same framing of her, but now she looks completely different. Right. So it's this really great moment because the shock is all in... Uh, the editing. It's not in what's actually happening on screen because what's happening on screen is she stood there and, you know, she changed. It's all in the way that it's presented to us through the editing, which is really cool because this isn't a show that usually traffics in that kind of, you know, cinematic uh, storytelling on that level uh, in in terms of, you know, communicating things with cinematography and and with Yeah, but it's almost like they were just holding it back because they wanted it to be a big moment. I, I'm going to be the huge buzzkill here and be like, I, okay, I'm not going to say I was like offended by the scene or whatever, but I'll say this. Like, the big shock is that she's old. And, like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about, oh, here's that woman you always look at in every episode and is always naked. And look, now she's old and ugly. Now she's old and naked. No, yeah, you're like, right. There is the something shock. a little. Although, what's interesting know is, you know, I, I always hesitate. I don't trust these creators anymore. I don't take them at their word on anything <laughs> in terms of their intentions. But what they said, what I saw they do, you know, HBO does like after the episode ends, they do kind of like a behind the scenes reel. Um, and what they said about it was the way that they described it is they it, they didn't describe it as though their intention was to shock or to disturb. The way they talked about it was um, really in terms of Melisandre's character and how they wanted to convey... Uh, she looked sad, I'll say that. Exactly, they wanted to convey her looking very defeated, and because this episode's all about how, you know, she there were implications last season that she was kind of moving behind John because Stannis was <laughs> Stannis was kind of looking like a no-go, right. uh, and he ended up being, and now John's dead, so she, she's very defeated and, and, and kind of broken down, and they wanted to convey that in this moment of where she can't even bear a look at herself, you know, uh, in the mirror, and she has to look at her true self, and she does. She looks, you know, feeble and and miserable. She does for and the then first she time. Turns and she sort of looks sad, and then she gets into bed, and she's still like that. And then you wonder: is it like painful to be in that? You know, wear the necklace? Is it some sort of you know? But yeah, you know, well, the logistics of the magic are well could, because we we have seen her without this necklace on. People have already posted online. Really? There have been scenes without with her without the necklace on. Huh. Yeah, so the logistics of the magic. You know, God only knows. <laughs> Who knows? And what is she? You know, is she a human? Is she a, you know, what? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, kind of interesting. But I just feel like if that was their intention, you know, like when you convey sadness to me, it would have been like, you know, she puts down the, the necklace, it sort of follows her up her arm, up to her eyes, you know, and then she looks sad. And 
I don't know. The way they showed it was like naked woman. You know, again, I this is people often talk about her. I don't actually have any particular interest, but anyway, people talk about this character because she gets naked all the time, and she's like, you know, one of those, you know, the characters that that people ogle, right? And it's like, oh, here's that character you're always ogling. Oh, surprise, she's actually an old woman, as opposed to the real focus on her emotion. Now, the body language certainly did, but if you're, the cinematography you were talking about, the exact thing you were talking about, in some ways it does with the mirror and the reflection, you know, what you were just saying uh, to some degree, but it's also, it really does feel like the, you know, this is well, what, this is the person you were ogling. Look, she's really an old lady. Ha ha. I think that's, that's a fair reading. No, I, I think that's absolutely a fair reading. I think, you know, I, I get that, and I, I see where you're coming from. You're certainly not the only person I've seen say that. Mm-hmm. I do, I will say, you know, just, just for the sake of arguing from this perspective, I think it's significant that this is the f- one of the first times we've seen her naked, and no one in the scene is looking at her. Right, true. She's just, you know, this is the really for is. herself. Well, exactly, but that's the problem. The camera is. So what you have to ask yourself is, you know, because there's no one else in the scene, whose perspective is the camera adopting? And it's to me... Well, the, well, it's it's her own perspective, right? It's her own gaze. So, which is which is why she's not particularly, uh, you know, objectified by the camera in this moment, and why she's, you know, it it it, it cuts to a close up of her face immediately after she gets naked. So she's not actually nude for most of this scene, and for the first half of the scene. Uh, so I think it kind of negates, you know. When you when you argue from this kind of objectification perspective, which again I think is a completely fair way to look at the scene, it it, it implies that I think it implies an intention on the part of the uh, filmmakers that is not necessarily I, I'm not sure that you can fairly assign. You know what I mean? I, I think it's not so much objectification. It's more of a it's it's not even that. It's more like you objectified her for, you know, three seasons because, you know, you wanted to look at her and now, haha, we're getting one over on you. But again, my I, concern... Yeah. No, I agree with you. My concern isn't any of that. It's that if she had been a, like a hideous monster, that's one thing, but she became an old woman. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't know what you're trying to say here. <laughs> the only thing, again, all of this goes away if the shot had been really focused on her emotion. I just feel like it wasn't as focused on that as it probably could have been if to, to focus on Because I do think that's really interesting. I think the, you know, that she's pretending to be this other person or she's pretending to look a certain way or whatever. That's really interesting. And I, you know, it's certainly better to do the scene that they just did than it is to, you know, continue to have Melisandre get naked for some reason. She could have just gotten naked and gotten to bed. At, at this point, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the entire scene. Um, <laughs> but that's not what we got. It was this very specific scene that obviously doesn't have anything to do with the books, unless George R. R. Martin told them that this is something that happened in the books. So this has been—I will say—this has been a fan theory for a while, and it's one of those fan. Oh. We talked about fan theories earlier. This is one of those ones that, um, it's it's like, okay, that wouldn't really have if that was true. There's really nothing to indicate that, and if that was true, uh. It wouldn't really have any what was the extra theory? impact on the story. Really yeah, the theory is that yeah that she's using a some sort of magic or a glamour to uh, conceal her appearance that she's secretly very old yeah. or that she secretly looks different. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like okay, if that's true, then that that could very that could be true. It's like saying you know, uh, uh, 
Rob Stark uh, was missing a big toe. It's like, like okay. <laughs> yeah, that could be true. It doesn't really change the story at all. Right. And there's nothing to suggest it's not true. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's not, it's, an, it's not Varys is a merman. Um, right. But it's also like, well, there's really, on the flip side, there's really nothing to suggest that. There's, you know, I'm kind of, like we said. I got to tell you, kind of, I'm now on the merman train. I'm kind of feeling like that's <laughs> the end game of this whole series. Well, I got to say, um, there are plenty of wacky fan theories. And uh, one of my favorite ones I think the show is actually going to do this season. So if, if confirming this fan theory in the premiere is an indication that they're going to confirm all the fan theories this season, <laughs> I am on board. Because, well, uh, you know, we'll flash back at the end of the season to this moment, and I'll be able to say that that's what I was talking about. Well, this has almost always ended badly for you. That's uh, true. You know, I'm pretty sure I've, I've said this multiple times. Um each season, I'm talking you're like, about oh, a... it's going to be this. Oh no! And then by the end of the season, you're like, yeah, I guess they're not even doing that. Well, no, but what I've also what I've always said is that uh, it's always been something that happened in the books, right? Uh, that I think that they're leading towards. In this this case... is what I'm talking about now. Is not something that happens in the books. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is something that is pure speculation. This is something that will never happen in the books because it's just too good. Um, but the show <laughs> is honest. But the show has actually uh, set itself up to legitimately do it, and. Like fingers crossed, it's because it'll be awesome. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'm sort of down for that. Um, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so next episode is called Home. Yeah, what's up with that's a boring name. Um, it would be a really good episode for like the last season, I'm sure. Like title. Well, last season had episodes like Kill the Boy and uh, the Dance of Dragons. Like that's. What's weird about this episode name is that that's it's those kind of episode names that the show usually traffics in, right? It's like "What is dead may never die," and I'm looking. I'm looking right. at all the episodes now. Yeah, uh, the Watchers on the Wall. Well, some of them were stupid. Oh, some of them were stupid, but they were what like the grandiose. End of, the end of season four. Uh, the end of season four was the children. Yeah, you know what? So, but there's a the at least. At least there's a the yeah. And it was you know, the so it, feel, it feels like it feels like they're talking about something of import. The children it feels like it means something. I, guess. I yeah. guess in this case, home would be a really good name for an episode where, you know, after they take what, um, after they take Winterfell back or something. Like to me, that's a good a good episode for like the epilogue sort of episode of you know the last season. Um, or. When somebody's home where they feel comfortable gets completely upended and, you know, something horrible happens, which is probably more likely, to be honest with you, especially mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a weird out. I mean, we'll <laughs> we'll probably talk about this when we talk about the episode itself and maybe it'll make more sense. But just looking at all the episode names as I am now, it's a very strange outlier. They're mostly not just like home. The, this season, you mean? No, well, the series overall. The series, okay. Yeah, like even when you had simple, like, you know, The Climb, uh... That had that that feels significant in a way, even though it's a very simple title. Right, 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 right. Uh, and it was significant. It had a very specific meaning. Uh, home is just like, uh, is it going to be about home? And speaking of, we don't. I assume we haven't seen Littlefinger, right? Yeah, uh, he like he he. I mean, he he likes to teleport all over the map, right? So maybe he's like off planet currently. Yeah. <laughs> Quite he's possibly. On the moon. Uh, or he is um, on a plane, uh, a, yeah. CIA, a CIA director, <laughs> um, talking to a guy with a funny voice. I don't know. Yeah, well, the, the roster he filed with the CIA has uh, him and his men and Dr. Pavel, but only one Dr. of you. Dr. Pavel! 
Oh, man. Oh, what a movie. All right. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh. so I guess we'll uh, we'll see what Podeswa has for... Hopefully he can end uh, this season on a better note than he ended last season. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I, I was impressed with his work this season. Nobody got so automatic, you know... Thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> well... well Extra points, let's say that. Extra points for meeting a very low standard. Yeah. For 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 not doing something. And uh, one last thing. Did you like the episode? Are you feeling good about the season? Because I know um, you hate the show, so I don't even know. What you're <laughs> well, I mean, I, let's just say, I, I kind of play a character on this show, on this podcast. Um, I but a character. I do. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, I will say, I, I mean, like I said, I think Dorn is, is just a... a, a an inescapable hellish nightmare, um, fr- from which there, of which there is no bottom. And there's so no there, escape apparently. Zero. No, you you can't get out. It's just by the end of this season, every scene is going to be in Dorn. <laughs> it's going to become the Sand Snakes. All Snake characters show. converge on Dorn. Oh my God! And they give all their imagine. lines to the Sand Snakes, and the Sand Snakes just whip people and 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 say things that are vaguely sexual. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So I'll say this. Um, I did. I liked this episode. I think it is a good. It is definitely a table-setting episode for the season, and that's start. fine. The premieres usually are, uh, except for what happened in Dorn, which was all stupid and bad. Uh, <laughs> if if this season has really at this point, all this season has to do is not be in Dorn anymore, and I'll be like, you know, perfectly satisfied. If you can do more than that, great. If you can rise above that that median. But all you got to do is not ever talk, even talk about Dorn again. <laughs> well, by putting in the first episode, they made a statement, which is Dorn is here to stay. They rented out that stupid castle villa thing. That's true. And, uh, you know, they're going to use up all their time. They have a time show, actually, from what I understand. So. Oh, my God. I can't believe They're it. obligated to include at least three shots of that place every, t- every, uh, <laughs> every episode. Uh, the, yeah, the woman who plays Alaria is actually like she snuck some things into her contract, and she has to be in at least half of every episode. Of the season. <laughs> She's just, actually going to be the one who sits on the Iron Throne at the end of the season. At yeah, the, 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 the producers really should have read the fine print on her contract because <laughs> she at the end I'm the one him. who wins. Yeah. All right. Wait a minute, quickly before we go, how does it, that sense snake effectively use a whip as a weapon? Especially in Taiko. I was really curious as to how that fight was supposed to go down. Yeah, like, how was she supposed to kill him with a whip? Her sisters have spears and daggers. Well, she could have, like, whipped around his neck and, like, choked him or something, but they were literally, like, yeah, they're, they're in kids, closed space. And they have, like, no headroom. Yeah. So that made sense outside, I Maybe guess. Maybe she had, like, knives on the end. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I have no idea. I just, the whole thing was bizarre. I was kind of excited to see that fight, uh, and then it just ended. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't excited because no, for some reason, the choreographers for anything the Sand Snakes do are just. It. it I don't know if it's again. I don't want to insult any particular group because I don't know who's to blame here, but it never looks good. No. Do you remember that really fight doesn't. scene in the when Jamie? Yeah. Well, we could have at least we blamed that on you know the location that they right the restrictions of the location. But yeah, but now that they're now they're just on a boat, like on some sound stage, and they still can't. Well, they didn't. They didn't even fight. It didn't even happen. Yeah. But when they were in, uh, you know, when they when they they were assassinating everybody, even that looked 
I don't know. Yeah. Part of it is, and this is this is not to like harp on the the actors. The actors are doing exactly what they were hired for the role, or whatever. Um, especially like Alaria, like they're like pencil thin, and it's that's not overtly a problem. But like Brienne looks like she could kill someone, and these mm. people all look like they're like to drive a knife into someone. I, I've never done it. But well, yeah, I if they're going, for, well, yeah, I, I could see these. Yeah, I could see like especially Alaria is like a kind of like an assassin, like you know, very uh, you know, lithe and uh, agile. But yeah. But yeah, but it requires not some that... muscle. I mean, consider like Isar sure. Daredevil, right? Like Electra, like she doesn't look yeah. weak. <laughs> She's mm-hmm. an assassin. Like none of the I don't know. So when they do it, it's just it. You know, it's like uh, you know, like oh, you're dead. You know, like oh, die. And it, it's 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 weird because no other character, male, female, you know, young, old, seems to do that on the show except for these characters. So like all of the, it's all ineffectual. Yeah, I mean, Arya is an eight-year-old girl, and when she kills people, it's like, oh yeah, no, it's like, it has meat to it. It like feels yeah. real, and you feel the power behind it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Whereas, they, you know, they just sort of, part of it is because they decided to give them all these random weapons. So now it's yeah, now they have to like <laughs> do ridiculous things with them, like a whip. I mean, what? Well, yeah, you know, like you know, they wrote that, and they were like, oh, these choreographers, they're gonna have so much fun, right. with, you know, creating <laughs> fights with all these unique weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember when they were introduced and like that awful scene where she like whips something far away or whatever that she whips the barrel off the guy's head, right? Right. Because he's buried in the sand. <laughs> so yeah. dumb. Is that all she's there to? Yeah. Because I don't think she used. I don't remember her doing it any anything with it in the fight scene. I, I don't think remember she did anything about that something... fight scene except. Oh no no! Bad. Doesn't um. Uh. Someone grabs it from her or something or. <laughs> so she she loses it. That's she she, she loses it. it. I don't know. Something stupid. Uh... The whole thing's dumb. I mean, I get that they're kids, but again, Arya's a kid too, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know, it's silly. Anyway, we've been harping on Dorne enough. Oh, God, I never want to talk about Dorne again. I <laughs> <laughs> think we're going to have to. Oh, God. You know what? I really... I don't think... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not in the next episode, because this seems like a kind of, you know, every other episode plot line. But I swear to God, if we if we have more Dorne bullshit in episode three... uh. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I mean, we gotta have something to harp on because I mean, if you're gonna keep your your hate up for the show, uh, you've gotta oh, have something. Oh, go- oh, we should change the name of the show to Sons of the Harp, the Harping. <laughs> Sons of the Harping. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, but then what if they turn out to be super lame? Well, they already are pretty lame. They are kind of lame. They're pretty ineffectual. They have cool masks. Yeah, but they at do. least they look like they were killing people when they killed them. <laughs> Yeah, but that one guy couldn't even like sneak up on Daenerys without Jor noticing from the pit. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, and uh, you know, for all the threat, like, there's literally they. I don't know what Varys and like Tyrion. I guess they don't. People there don't know them that well and don't realize that they're like close confidants of the, the queen. Supposedly, but, they're yeah. They mentioned like that they're, that they're dressed like commoners, but they don't look like they're dressed like anyone else in the city. Well, they have capes, so I'm like, yeah, they uh, have capes. what? And they're not keeping a low profile. He like gives money yeah. to people. People don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, and they're recognizable. And they're, they're being pretty watched. recognizable for a number of reasons. Both of them. And they're being watched. So why don't the sons of the harpy just kill them? Yeah. Unless you know, we, we're also presuming you know they might not be known. And well, they it, they might people not might might not know who they are yet. They were in the pit. They were in the pit. 
That's like, true. they're pretty out there. I mean, they weren't, like, clearly allied, you know, necessarily, but they didn't mm-hmm. fly away together. Um, or escape together, or whatever happened. I don't even remember what happened in that mm-hmm. stupid scene. Um, but Oh, I can't wait for... That reminds me, I can't... Speaking of useless plot lines, I can't wait for more Grey Worm and Missandei um, romance next episode. What? Is that happening? Remember that? Well, remember that? Because that has yet to resolve... Unless I'm misremembering, and look, maybe Grey Worm died last season, and I forgot about it. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I feel so terrible, because, like, I don't know. I feel like there was stuff they could have done with those characters, but they're just so dull. Sure. Um, yeah, well, yeah. But I, but, but I just want to say the last thing about the, because I know we're disparaging the, the Sons of the Harpy. Last season, they're not that interesting. I do wonder, though, if they're holding off, because there will be some, like, the head of the Sons of the Harpy will want to meet with Tyrion and he'll have to negotiate with them and that'll be that plot line. It won't be like that that and that's why they're not just killing them in the street. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, but it's gonna be a big twist, like it's some character we already know. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. Cause that, cause that's kind of like I kind of got that impression when they talk about like, oh my my little birds are gonna figure out their identity. Right, right. Identity you, you suddenly impression... identity matters, right? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Barristan Selmy. He was alive the whole time. <laughs> he faked his Selmy. death. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's actually it's gonna be it's either Cal Drogo. That's probably the <laughs> option, uh, or Jon Snow. Uh, <laughs> if I had to make an educated guess. Uh, All right. What, what, now wasn't it you last season? Sorry. Okay, no, we'll wrap up now. <laughs> I was gonna say, wasn't it you last season who uh, suggested it might be Dario? Dario? I think you theor- I think you theorized that. Oh last season. yeah, yeah, that there's some link between them or something, but clearly that has nothing to do. Well, he's yeah, he's not even in the city anymore, so. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Unless he has a twin brother, which you know what? Or he's or he's in charge of them, and like it'll turn out that he's been running them, and then it'll put Jorah mm-hmm. in danger, and then Jorah will kill him. And... By yeah, by hitting, rubbing his wrist on his face. Right, right, or something, or he'll <laughs> kill him and then be like. And Daenerys would be like, you saved me! And then Jorah would be like, but I'm dying. And then he'll die. <laughs> so that's what's going to happen. We just spoiled the whole season for everyone. I'm sorry, Yeah, guys. no, so we have seen, we have read the scripts, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, and they we gave are... us the scripts. Not the cast members, but us, you know. Um, no, 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 yeah. All the parts, so we know what happens. Because you know, well, Benioff and Weiss, they love stark contrast. They love stark contrast, and they're family friends, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, if that were true, Dorne would be better. <laughs> we'd give him crap for it yeah for sure i'd definitely send a couple of emails and be like no you don't have to do anything else with dorn you know that right like it's 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 over we can you can move on <laughs> okay i think it's time to wrap up i think it is i think it is well, next, this was next week next this week. was next week is home, home. we're gonna right. talk about that next week 